What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Self Check. And as always, I am the Alan Harris, and I have my brothers with me: Recovery Ray, Three EBM Nick, Ryko Fit, LBO Vic, and this is episode fifteen. And man, we got a special one for you today. Let's check in. So last week, fellas, we had a conversation about self care. We pretty much boiled it down to it's just us intentionally spending time with ourselves and that intention being to nourish our mind and bodies because in order for us to accomplish what we want to accomplish and be who we want to be, we have to be here and healthy. So for me, the month of December, a lot of it is filled with reflecting on the year. And I've been spending some time just reflecting on the habits that I have adopted over the last year. And I wanted to share one of them with you all today. It's funny because we all have whoops on. Uh, but the most valuable habit that I adopted this past year was taking accountability for the quality of my sleep because I recognize that if I'm not sleeping good, then I'm not feeling good. And if I'm not feeling good, I can't execute in the ways that I know I can execute. So I'm grateful to have adopted that habit. And man, I'm, I'm excited for what 2021 has because now I'm in a rhythm and I'm going to consistently prioritize time for self-care. So appreciate the conversation last week, fellas. Yes, sir. All right, Nick. So as I kind of talked about last week, my self-care practice is listening to myself. And so as I've grown in that, I realized that uh, part of me, there's things in my life that I didn't like, like with discipline and organization that he can tell you, I'm not really the biggest person on that aspect of things. (laughs) And it hit me as to why I was meditating one night while thinking about this. And it was like, yo, the only reason why I hated it so much is because I don't like people telling me what to do. Like, I don't like somebody from the outside who never thinks about me outside of the time where we interact, tells me what to do in my life or what's best for my life. And then me go try to do that and not work for me. And then I get upset. That's still on me. But what happened was by becoming aware of that, I was like, okay, so what do I want to do? And I created my own way for me to be organized that fits and works for me. It's actually been going really well. So, yeah. Man, for me, really, it's just been continuing to execute it within my daily habits you know um rather it's something as simple as just making my bed like um that's a new habit that i just recently adopted and it's so small but when i walk into my room and it smells the fragrance of incense and stuff like that it just it automatically brightens my day to see a nice made bed you know Mm -hmm. and it's just the simple little things like that involved with self-care that can go a long way you know right. it's something as as much as brush your teeth twice a day you know grooming yourself you know self-care can look like many different things so it, it's whatever you really perceive it as and just continue to execute and that's all it is massive right. action as always absolutely um as i'm thinking here um my aspect on my self-care changed um So I recently stopped smoking um, because I realized that I can't function the way I think I could function when I smoke. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So like, I think I could get things done, but I can't. And so now I'm identifying that as a version of self-care because I haven't smoked in about three, two and a half, maybe three weeks. And my level of focus is better. My level of concentration is better. The things that I wanna do I'm executing a lot more. I have more energy towards things. I have more compassion towards things. I feel for things more. And I'm just now starting to notice that like as we're sitting here talking about it because another habit that I got rid of was drinking. Like I was a alcoholic. I can call myself that now because I had pride in the level of Mm. alcohol that I could consume. So now that I no longer depend on these substances, I have way more respect for myself and I just realized that right now because I would literally use these substances to either get away or think I have to do it. But now it's more so of a on occasion. It literally has to be an occasion for it for me now. And even the smoking thing, I'm feeling that as now it has to be more of an occasion. So as I'm sitting here um, thinking about it, yeah, that's been my biggest journey of self-care since I got out of college. And I'm, I'm just, I'm going to say it on here. I'm proud of myself for really acknowledging that and knowing that and taking action on that. And I see the results and it's amazing. So that's, that's yeah, that's my self-care. Man, my, uh, like always, it kind of aligns with everybody. I hate when people tell me what to do. Um, 
it's just like that was one of the first things like that it, it really immediately sparked me and then of course the drinking thing um that that was more of a like just like you said listening to myself and then not using a substance mm-hmm. and alcohol is a, a major thing for me on the self-care side like i think i remember i told y'all that i think it was two weeks ago now my uncle passed away i was like i'm not gonna go drink like I, I didn't. I was probably, you know what I'm saying? I really did. Granted, bro sat out there and talked to me. He wouldn't have sat out there and talked to me. I probably would have slid across the street and grabbed a bottle. Like, mm-hmm. I'm being real. Because yeah. my mind was just so, you know what I'm saying? But it's just, like, I, I notice how I feel. Like he said, when I drink. And it's a, it's a drastic difference on how, I could say us, because we both were down that path on how we used to drink. You know what I'm saying? Like, heavily. Like, I mean, I think I've said it in a couple other episodes, too, as far as, like, I just come in and broke up on me. just see me drink and smoke, drink and smoke. I'm stressed out. I'm not talking to nobody. Like, I just literally duck off. But I'm just drinking, drinking, drinking. So, like, it's just a different different view. Also, mm-hmm. going back to the gym, just a different view to health. Help as well. So, All right, y'all. Welcome to a very, very special episode, man. I am so excited to have this brother on the show, man. Ever since I met him, he has been a powerful, powerful mark in our community. Not only giving back to to the colleges, not only giving back to entrepreneurs, um, but also being that marker, man, in the community of, of black excellence, man, from the way he walks to the way he speaks. Um, man, even myself and Ryan seeing him develop in the gym. I mean, just the, the the short amount of time that I've been able to meet this brother, talk to this brother and be around him has been powerful. So we want y'all to be just as influenced and giddy as we are when we see this, man. So, hey, without further ado, man, Introduce my brother Murdoch, man. What's going on? What's good, bro? Uh, my muse is the culmination of a myriad of mess ups turned upside down into a masterpiece of motivation. Ooh. My inspiration is the indignant spirit of an imbecile ignited and burned alive. And after a process of heating and cooling, an incredible image within me has been inscribed. My blood runs deep with both stress and success, bruises and breakthroughs, crashes of carelessness, and chambers of courage. And my muse sings a song to my soul that is essential and sensical to my sense of self, like the ABCs to an English major. And that's major. That's because my story is not your story and your story is not mine. Reach on individual journeys and processes towards whatever we're seeking to accomplish. And for me, that's progress. And my process towards progress doesn't mimic the rise to fame of someone who is acclaimed, nor is it inspired by someone to whom I aspire. My process towards progress is specific to my slips and trips my failures flipped in my journey to my drip. My process towards progress is me, Anthony Murdoch II. And Murdoch is a purpose-driven, action-oriented servant leader and proud product of Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm a Juris Doctor candidate at the Ali McKinney School of Law. I'm the founder of Murdoch LLC. We are empowering communities to leverage their influence to fuel efforts for black liberation and the co-founder of a nonprofit called Power Moves Only Incorporated, where we're turning entrepreneurs into powerpreneurs one power move at a time. And ultimately, I'm in the business of becoming the greatest powerpreneur that Indianapolis has ever seen. And I'm trying to help us make it make sense so we can make sense and sensational impact all across the census. So shout out to y'all brothers for letting me tune in today. Had to come locked in and clocked in for the combo. Yeah, but appreciate y'all for letting me come through here. So Murdoch, you know what I'm saying? So he, he, he gave you a little bit about, so listen, Murdoch, man, yeah, powerpreneurship, yeah. powerpreneurship. I know you and I have had a discussion about it. Um, when we, when we first linked up, man, yeah. and I seen you in the gym and I was like, Hey, I, I got to talk to you, brother, just to figure out what you about. And that's the first thing you told me about was powerpreneurship. So yeah. please explain to the folks, you know, that what what is that? What is powerpreneurship? No, for sure, for sure. So it's all about strategically leveraging the power in your story, mm. you know. And I want to get a little context to that. So my oratorical mentor is Dr. Frederick Douglass Haynes III, and he said on the Breakfast Club that a text without context is merely a pretext for counting people. And when he said that, I knew context was crucial. But the way that he articulated it, it seemed all the more important. And so I want to give context to why I engage in powerpreneurship, right? Uh-huh. So one, etymologically, powerpreneurship was a word that I created with intention, mm. right? So entrepreneurship, an entrepreneur is one who takes enterprises, right? And that's great. And that's part of what I do. That's how I pay my bills, 
That's how we pay our bills. Mm-hmm. But at a different level, I understood that from a young age, I understood it had to be something more than money in this world. You know, it was something that, especially as black men, that even me personally, I fiend for. Like I wanted bad. Like it was one thing to walk into a room and drop $50,000 and buy out a store. It's another thing when you walk into a room and you don't take out your wallet and they give you something. Mm. And that's power. And that power is a kind of currency that especially as black folks culturally we have that translates continents. And that is what I'm interested in, right? And, and the more I thought about what kind of capital do I want to accrue and that it wasn't about the change in my pocket, but about power. I started to say, okay, to what extent can you differentiate yourself from people who've been power hungry in the past? Because we also know as black folks, it's power that's been used to suppress, oppress, and depress our people. Mm. And so I said, to what extent can I be more inclusive and equitable, but still understand what I need to contribute to my community efficiently and sustainably? And so then I do deep dives into what made me who I am and understanding that Murdoch's not about we, but about we, and there's not a moment I spend not thinking about us. So my identity as a person sits inside of our identity as a community. Mm. And when I think about our community story, right, that our story started long before we were forcefully imported to this country like property, what I did also realize was when we were forcefully imported to this country like property, one of the first things taken away from us, in addition to our right to vote and political agency, was our ability to see ourselves in stories. And I knew that was not done without intention. And think about this. How as a people are we taken out of the context of what we came from, Mm -hmm. our stories, yet we still are the world's greatest storytellers? Music, the arts, fashion, shoot, fitness. We tell stories and our stories are really predicated upon our purpose. And we do it in different ways based on who you are and what skills and competencies you have. When I thought about the paradox, the contradiction of being removed from your story, yet you still tell the world about people's stories, you create stories that the world appreciates, that's extraterrestrial. That's phenomenal, right? That's not natural. <clears throat> and I thought about that cannot be a coincidence. That must be intentional too. And when I think about how as a people we developed cultural power, cultural currency, right? And social capital. It's always these conversations about power, but it always sits in our ability to tell stories. And I said, these things cannot not be related. Hmm. And I began to understand that especially as, as our people, we have been engaging in this idea of storytelling before it was sexy to be a storyteller. Because every corporate corporation with white guilt money is saying we want to tell the story that we've never told before, right? We've been doing it because it was the only thing we had to be able to survive, dare thrive. And that's powerful, right? That's why our stories have, that's why our stories are powerful because they're filled with words. And we use words to create power where we were intentionally removed from those sources. And that's where that term came from. Right. And and I think in many ways, and that's a very high level of thinking. We can get into the weeds here in a second. But like what is powerpreneurship and more than at a practical level, but at a principle level, like what makes those things? Right. And then how do we relate those things to our present predicament as we navigate the two pandemics of our present? But this idea of powerpreneurship is the practice of strategically leveraging the power in your story, because when you leverage the power in your story, even when it gets gory, it leads to profit shortly. And the profit that I'm talking about is not about the change in my pocket, but about the change we can make in our communities. And that is not just historically accurate. That is history's future that we see in the midst of this moment, in the midst of this move to make Black Lives Matter more. That's being led by Black women. That's being led by Black trans folks who, who historically have been neglected and yet still have proclaimed their agency and power. And that makes sense, sense and sense to me. So that's what that's what power promotion is. Dope. Bruh. Listen. 
I appreciate them adding the context in there because yeah. I know one thing that's big in the world itself is that we get direction without context all the time. Yeah, right? yeah. We're so easily and susceptible to say okay to it. And I just, even as a kid, I stay getting popped in the mouth and I always ask why. Even up to this point now, I will always ask why. Mm-hmm. But I'm just glad that you put some context in there to really break it down for everybody. I, I enjoyed it. No, yeah. That's dope. That's super dope. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. No, for real, bro. Um, I'm just digesting. <laughs> no, for real, man. That's that's super powerful, bro. So in a, in a practical sense, man. Yeah. So you get it, right? You mm-hmm. understand the concept, mm-hmm. you know. So mm-hmm. where do we begin now to to start to open up the the minds that we're trying to reach? Yeah. You know. So what what does that look like? What are we doing there to to get this concept that out to the to the masses and and, and start to move this way mm-hmm. to start to use our stories mm-hmm. as power, like you say. Yeah. So a couple of different things, right? Let's let's do a principle breakdown. Cause I just gave a great high level explanation, very theoretical, lots of words, sounded good. I'm not sure whether or not it actually resonated. And I wanna like break it down into like pieces. So there's three pillars to powerpreneurship. Okay. Right. And those three pillars are our time management, peer mentorship, and affirmation. Mm-hmm. And I'll start with the affirmation piece in light of you feel me what y'all was talking about. Mm-hmm. And again, living in a world that tells you that I'm gonna do it like this, right? We know that that black women are the least protected, most neglected, the most disrespected people in the world, and that means that by nature, black men are the most dangerous. That's part of the reason why we don't engage in self care. That's part of the reason why intimacy and vulnerability is seen as weak, when in reality, it's strong. It is because of how we're socialized and characterized and seen in both public spaces and in the privacy of our own lives. And so one of the reasons why affirmation is a pillar of power promotion is because we have to turn it on its head. Like we live in a world that's not going to tell you that you are not dangerous. We don't live in a world where someone is going to tell a sister that she deserves to be protected that she deserves to be respected, that she should not be neglected. That's not natural. That's not the way the system is set up. And instead of complaining about what's not, I try and put into existence what should be, right? And that's the nature of what affirmation is. And so acknowledging those things to be real, I say in response that blackness is beautiful and it is bold and it is necessary because it has always been. And without this, there would be not, there, there could not be that. So that's affirmation. Mm. Two, time management, right? Um, We have to schedule according to our priorities instead of prioritizing according to our schedule. What does that mean? Before I set an agenda for the day, this also goes back to self-care, but also patience, which like I loved y'all episode about that. Like I really, really deeply appreciated that episode as well. And I'll talk about that in a second, but for time management, before you give your time to somebody else, have you given yourself enough time to give to somebody else? Mm-hmm. Right? And we don't even prioritize yourself enough to ask that question because we like affirmation. So what you do get that affirmation, you can ask yourself that kind of a question. Right? And it's once your schedule begins to reflect your priorities, you begin to meet those goals, you begin to implement those strategies and see them executed you begin to feel as though the time you spend, and not even just the time you spend, but the life you've been given does matter to you before it matters to somebody else. And that's how no one else can tell you life does not matter. And so often we have to give our times to people and we clock into jobs and give our times to people and are in relationship and give our times to people that don't give a dang about who you are. And you're like, why don't you care? My question is, why do you spend time? So that's why the second one is time management, right? And then last is peer mentorship. And I think this one for me in 2020 has by far been the most crucial. And this is a practice of peer mentorship, what we have here. And it's understanding that we are who we need in times like these. And that we should not trying to be networked vertically, but relationship build laterally. Like we have what we need right here. We have what we need and we've been what we need. Right, I wrote a, an article and did a speech about comparing Nipsey Hussle to Tupac. Mm-hmm. And for many ways, Nipsey Hussle is the Tupac of our generation, mm-hmm. which we didn't even realize until after he was gone. 
rest in power to that king. But y'all know the difference <clears throat> between Nipsey and Tupac in many ways? It was the fact that, and this is this is historically accurate, right? This is based on interviews and research. Mm-hmm. Nipsey Hussle had a big brother named Black Sam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that big brother named Black Sam, who was not astronomically older than Nipsey, mm-hmm. but was a brother who been through what Nipsey was trying to go through and was able to walk him through what he was about to experience. That's a peer mentor. Now, Tupac, on the other hand, who we know, mother was a member of the Black Panthers, was supposed to be reared by the Black Panthers, and really was abandoned. And he talks about it. Even when he came to Indianapolis at Black Expo in the 1990s, he talked about that. He was abandoned by the generation that was supposed to be raising him. And he was by consequence, ostracized by his peers. But imagine if Pac had a had a black Sam. Imagine if Pac had a peer mentor. He was antagonized. He was, he was attacked by his peers. And they're both legends. But there's a difference in how they're going to be remembered. And 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 for me, when you talk about the story of Nipsey, and the story of Pac, both legends. They're going to be remembered differently. And they died in a different vein. They were murdered in a different vein. They're going to be remembered in a different vein. And it lies in one had this and one did not. And so when you talk about this idea of strategically leveraging the power in our story, you need people who affirm your story and tell you to spend time on your story and say that I care about your story and I care about your story because you're my brother. Um, so that's kind of like me getting into the nitty gritty of to getting to the first part of your question about like how do we actively do this it's about practicing those three pillars right and it's when you practice those three pillars in my life as a testimony especially as black men and y'all talked about it before we were on air there's an energy there's an attraction to you because you become dangerous for the right reasons because we are powerful you know and I'm not scared of being dangerous because I know that violence against the system is the right kind of violence. Violence in and of itself is not bad, right? But it's who you're being violent towards and why you're doing it. You know, you know I'm not going on a tangent, but the, the point is those are the pillars of power entrepreneurship. And I think it's when you practice those pillars, you are naturally strategically leveraging the power in your story. And at least that social capital that we need to change our predicaments as a black woman. Man, what what I think is so divine, bro. I had a conversation, so I um I got with a couple old college buddies. Uh, we did um, the Obama campaign when I was in school, mm-hmm. right? And so we were talking about you know the injustice that's going on right now and the state of mind, and you know I'm just hearing all these different things about you know what's bad and what's good and what's this, and you know they the solutions were all over the place. And so I went back in history, and so we you, you start with affirmation, right? Our original, I feel like our original form of affirmation was coming from our leaders, right? Mm-hmm. So our leaders like Dr. Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Marcus Garvey, they were speaking those affirmations for us to agree to, mm-hmm. right? When we lost them, we lost those affirmations in mm-hmm. a way, right? So then we get to this, this position of now Pac, and the rebellion against bringing those people back to that, mm. right? So now what I see is there's no longer a single mentor of affirmation. Now we've reversed that inwards. Mm-hmm. And now you talk about peer mentorship mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because in that, each one is looking inside themselves to mm-hmm. create those powers, yeah. right? Yeah. To be those martyrs, to create those affirmations. So now we come 10 times stronger. Mm-hmm. Because as a solid unity, we are bringing in those inner spirits of those Marcus Garvey's, or those Malcolm X's, or those uh, uh, Martin Luther King's. We're now looking within ourselves. And I think that is so powerful that we are now in a generation of mindfulness. Mm. You know, and we're able to use those pillars in what you're talking about mm. to really influence change and now not have to look outside. Because as a people, we were. I, I feel like, and then there may be others that disagree. We were looking towards others for that. We were walking with others. Yeah, because they're doing that, we're going to meet there because Martin Luther King said that. So we're going to be there. But then when, when he was gone, people were scared and were like, well, what's going on? 
Well, what's going on? Because he had it enough to look inside his self and find those affirmations. And now bless it upon a people, but we've reversed that. And you see it in the room right now. You see those reflections. You see the, the power of affirmation and us telling, yes, we can do it. There's different, there's a business owner sitting in each one of these chairs that comes together and has these conversations. And now we're able to, like you said, use our stories. Use our stories because we found our stories. We were just having a conversation about that, um, connecting to our stories and being able to change the narrative now. So understanding your story and then getting to a point where the parts that are not you now, we can now rewrite and create a new story, create the new story of affirmation. I am, I will be, I can, I will, this is. And the stuff that you are preaching, brother, it, it, it's it got my heart pumping, bro. It's got my blood flowing. You know what I'm saying? Because it's so powerful to see that reverse. We're not reliant. We're reliant on self. And that's what's being pushed out. Rely on self. Because like you said, you how can I give time if I don't have time to give? That, man, listen. I got a question for him. So when you at first started talking, you yeah. talked for a split second, you had said it, but talked about how you had to go and figure out something within yourself. Yeah. Now that's a big thing that I talk about a lot. And so would you be open to share some of the ways that you're able to go within yourself and audit yourself that way? Yeah. And I think that term audit yourself, I think that's a like a dope way of that's a dope way of thinking about it. For a few reasons, right? So one, we live in a capitalistic society. Lack of access to capital in a capitalistic society leaves you feeling and being treated like a lowercase letter. Lying about living in a capitalistic society doesn't change the fact that you live in a capitalist society. Mm-hmm. So when you say audit, you're speaking a language that orients us in the environment in which we do sit. So when you talk about how I audit myself, I audit myself like a business would audit themselves. Mm-hmm. It's consistent yeah. with regulation, so it's strategy and with intention. This is my trainer. That's where I'm coming from. Yeah. And I'm not gonna go the whole story on what I promise to answer your question. Yeah. I'm not going to go the whole story on, you know what I'm saying, how we met. He was a finalist, you know what I'm saying? And really, I ain't gonna go into all of that. But this is a part of how I hold myself accountable to what it is I say that I'm here to accomplish, right? There's regulation, there's consistency, there's intention, there's a process, right? When I wake up in the morning, I do the same thing. The first thing I do is pray. My top five priorities are in this order. It's God, it's family, it's myself, it's my business, and then it's law school. My schedule has to reflect that. Goes back to the time management thing. So when I wake up, I have the same exact routine, same exact routine. And I also go through regular assessments yeah. of whether or not those things are in alignment. And one of the ways I know if it's not, is when I look back at my day I heard y'all talking before we were on air. No, no, no. It was last week about how, like your you. It was one of y'all talking about like your body will tell you things, and you have to listen to your body when it speaks. Yeah. Because it's mirroring, and my body will do this. Like you, you feel different than you normally feel, and you go back to what you did in your day, and it's like you skipped your devotional. Yeah. You slept through the gym, which I have not done. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's something that you skipped in your routine. And we're not machines, right? This I want to say this too, because we're in this kind of a space. The mentality that we can push and push and push like machines is a product of slave post-traumatic slave syndrome. Like you're not machines. Like this grind now, sleep later, disproportionately impacts black bodies. So stop that. We're not machines. But we do live in a capitalistic society. And the ability for us to realize where we sit and where we've been sat is how we begin to switch our position. And again, that's why I really appreciate this language of audit. Because for a business to be successful, 
they've got to consistently do that to know how their processes are working. And I don't look at that once a year. I don't look at that once a quarter. That every freaking day, right? Every freaking day. So, does that answer the question? No, it definitely does. No, it's dope. Right. So, to go back briefly on something that you mentioned, I just I got to bring this up as an example because to me this is a a literal example of what we're talking about today: powerpreneurship, right? Mm -hmm. So, Murdoch, he initially had told me when he first came to me that he had been to six other gyms, you know. And me, I'm like, oh, so he's he's going around trying out these different gyms. So when he told me that he wanted to come to me, I made that my sole decision that that day, my intention was I was going to lock him in as a client. He was not going to leave this gym not knowing that he was going to choose Ryko Fit to be the gym to come to. And I did that not only because like I was thinking of it as competition, but from the fact that I knew what he was. I knew what who he was becoming. And that's something that I wanted within my network. And I'm like, what what better way to get personal and up close with somebody than personal training? Mm -hmm. I get to talk with him person hand to hand every day. I get to pick his brilliant mind. As we've all seen in this episode, this is one of the most intelligent dudes I've ever met in my life. Mm -hmm. So when I heard him speak for the first time and he reached out to me about that training, I was like, there's no way that I'm not locking him in, period. And that's when I, you know, turned on alpha, alpha mode, whatever you want. I wasn't losing at that very moment. I set that intention. And, and let's feed off of that, right? Let's feed off of that, right? Let's feed off of that for a second. One, he makes a great point about how, like, our relationship supersedes what happens in this space like you can't tell i'm a genius when i walk in the gym because by the time you leave the workout you can't breathe because he's doing his job but because of where we experienced each other we understood there was something more than what you experienced in this space because he was operating in his purpose right and because he saw something while we were here in our place in space that extended, like we developed a relationship. We also can't ignore, it's a relationship that introduced us to each other. Because yep. I wouldn't have known you had it not been for a black woman. Yep. Yep. Had it not been for a black woman. That's crazy how that worked out. And look, 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 look. It wasn't my mama. It wasn't my auntie. It wasn't my principal. It wasn't someone from another generation. It was another peer mentor. And that peer mentor connects me with who? Another peer mentor. Who connects me with who? Another peer mentor. Who connects me with who? Because y'all are on a podcast with one of my peer mentors. Right? And now because I know this, I got to know you too because you're the brothers in the semi-circle. I just wanted to make sure that I even gave context to that. Because, again, especially as black folks, like I can't say this enough. This is natural. But when you're put in an, in an environment that's not natural, you two things one your instinct doesn't change it's just suppressed mm. and when your instinct is forced to change and do something that's not natural your body has responses mm -hmm. those responses never change for us we just have to normalize them mm. and other people normalize them so part of why this environment is so electric is because this is what we've always been supposed to be doing Mm -hmm. But it's so powerful because we've been socialized to say this cannot be normal. Mm -hmm. And that's why these kinds of relationships are so essential. Because this should not be excellence. This should be our norm. Mm -hmm. And the fact that this is the standard of excellence is an indicator of our predicament. And it also shows our power. Because for this, this to be, oh my God. And for us to be here and this to be oh my god what are you talking so i just had to 
had to feed off the story. Yes, sir. I have a question. <laughs> the one of the, the pillars that you spoke on before was time management. Yeah, 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 I'm yeah. so glad you brought that up because I see time management as being energy efficient. Come on now. Um, and Come so on. as you describe what you focus on, so what you prioritize yeah, on a daily yeah, yeah. basis, you said that you put intention behind that, Come which on, I, I, I want to get your reasoning on why you put it in that order. You go, God, mm-hmm. family, family, myself. My business is in law school. So yeah. how what went into you putting it in that work? No, that's an incredible question. So a couple things, right? One, I've been in too many life or death situations. Mm. Point blank period. Yeah. Um just point blank period. Been in too many life or death situations and I understand the only thing that that got me through that was God working in somebody else. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like God comes in different forms and different. I see God when I look at my girl and I. I see I see God when the sun comes up in the morning. I see God when my bills is paid. Right. You feel me? Mm-hmm. And sometimes God comes when your rod pulls up to a party five minutes before somebody gets shot. Mm-hmm. You see where I'm coming from? Sometimes God comes when you in a gas station and everybody's stuck up but you're not the one that gets shot at the gas station. You see where I'm coming from? Yeah. God comes in a form or format when you got a group of friends who went through an experience and everybody is dying to depression but you. God comes in that form. Yeah. And I just, and those experiences I had. <clears throat> and so, I would be damned, pun intended, if I didn't put in first. Because I know who I am and whose I am. My mama told me every day. And I didn't know what that meant, but I know what that means now. Because I've experienced it and I've seen it full circle. So that's why he's first. Um, and also, you know, for me, I don't know about y'all, but God for me is a black woman or a black man with a sense of humor. So I want to make sure I kind of articulate that too. <laughs> we might not have the same idea of who God looks like, but that's the God that I serve. <clears throat> so... Um, second piece, like family, you know, I'm a product of my environment. I'm a proud product of my environment, and I'm also, but I'm also a human being. That means I'm a product of socialization, and the people who've been in the closest proximity to me is my family. And our family's not blood, but that's who made me who I am. I'm saying we're a form of family because of what we experience today. And as Black folks, we engage in community. We're natural to community. We're social beings. That's why one of the reasons why. This, the second pandemic of our present, that being COVID-19, has been so problematic for our community mm-hmm. because we had to engage in a social distancing. That doesn't make any sense. We need to be physically distant, not socially distant. Socially distant, particularly and disproportionately impacted particular groups of people. We never have to be socially distant. If you're going to physically distant, we need to become more socially proximal. Yeah. So, well, um, so that's why the family is second, because I'm a product of my environment. And my family is what curated that for me, whether or not I like them. And even where I, I suffer trauma and continue to suffer trauma at the hands of who I call family, or I experience triumph and continue to experience triumph because of my family. Like that made me who I am, purpose-driven, action-oriented, and certain leader, and proud product of this city. Right, third, myself, to be frank with you, I just made that adjustment within the last two months. Because myself wasn't even on my list. Mm. Murdoch LLC was. Mm. And I didn't even know how I wasn't taking a, a dose of my own medicine. I became my business. And I just told y'all that that's a product of the post-traumatic <clears throat> slave syndrome. How does a mission from my company empower communities to leverage their influence to fuel efforts for black liberation? And I myself am modeling an idea of the post-traumatic slave syndrome. That doesn't make sense, sense, or sense. So I made the adjustment. And that had to become third because I'm a product of the first two things and that leads me to be there. Mm-hmm. And so then the last two things, I mean, it, I, 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 I mean, Murdoch LLC is, and, and more than that, everything I'm involved in, like that's why I'm, that's my purpose, you feel me? And law school just, you know, happens to be on my calendar. Yeah. 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 It's just absolutely, yeah. 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 it's a big problem. It's yeah. in there. But really though. That's, yeah, I appreciate that, bro. Respect. Respect. Yeah. Man, brother, so I got, I got one big question for you. Um, 
leaving this earth eventually we all you know go on to second phase right yeah so when you pass mm-hmm. the one thing you want people to remember you by what's that The one thing I want people to remember me by. Mm-hmm. When they see, when they hear Murdoch, what's that one thing that you constant ring? I, when people think about my name, I want them to think about themselves. Mm-hmm. Like for real. That's I, I mean that wholeheartedly too. So, and that's for a couple of different reasons, right? Because one, I could be gone when I walk out of here. For all I know, I may not make it to the crib. And I say at the end of all of my keynotes, all of my speeches, all of my engagements, that Murdoch is about we and not me. And there's not a moment I spend not thinking about us. Hmm. Like my brand at a business level, but then also at a personal level, is predicated upon other people's success. And if I die and someone thinks about me before themselves, they didn't hear my message. Like, make it make sense is about leveraging the power in our story, not my story. I'm talking about community impact when I talk about uh, social capital. I'm not talking about my social, I'm talking about our social capital. Mm-hmm. You want to know why? The reason why I need people to think about them when they think about my name is because if they don't, what is my son going to inherit? Mm-hmm. What is my daughter going to inherit? Because that's my seed. I don't have any kids. But that's my seed. Mm-hmm. Like I need people to take care of my kids. And my kids' kids. Mm-hmm. And my kids' kids' kids. And my baby boy is gonna look like me. And when they see him, I want them to see me and then to see themselves. So they're not gonna do him wrong because they see themselves in him. Mm-hmm. And he he sees himself in other people. It's difficult to shoot yourself. That's that's part of how systems of oppression work. Systems make you think that you can't see yourself in somebody else. And that's how you're so easily able to 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 hurt and and but we are one. We are one. And when you're able to see yourself in somebody else, you hesitate before you take a particular action. You think with greater intention. And when you think about my legacy, when someone thinks about my legacy, I want them to think about what are they doing right now? And and, and how is it impacting their legacy? That's why legends never die. They live on through the people that they impacted. So don't think about me when I pass. Think about you and what the hell you're going to do for the next person. Like that. That's probably what I think. That was a good question. Wow. That was I, I got one for you too. That kind of just resonated with me. Um, when you said like the power, like when we jumped into the power of storytelling more and everybody just had a, everybody has a story even when we've been taken out that story. Yeah. Um, me, it kind of tapped into like the LBO brand to let me on opportunity. Yeah. Um, like in my way recently, like I, we could dive back in a couple episodes and how I've been doing it is more of meditation and thinking about what makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Um, for my intent more to create it's, it's helping let out my story mm-hmm. from where I came from you know what I'm saying? who I am really besides what people see on the outer shell um, what's maybe a way that you practice to let out your story to get you here mm-hmm. um, that you could probably share with people yeah 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 that's a good question bro Personally, me, like my, like I said, now mine is meditation. But I would just, I think mine was more of like in a personal journey, like sports was taken from me. Mm-hmm. Like I play, I play instruments as a kid. It was just a, it was a common thing, but sports was my life. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it, um, when my, unfortunately my, you know what I'm saying? I messed up whatever I messed up in my knee. Um, it took me down and it's just like music just gave me a joy. Mm. It just brought a different light. Okay. It was a different language. It's a different way like people would communicate no matter yeah, what. Yeah. Like you could put on music no matter what's going on in this room right now I can change the mood in this room right now with some music. I can change the mood 
with clothes. Just like you said, I can literally, the day I walked in here with shirts, the mood immediately changed. It's just, it, it just comes from a different area. It's just, I don't know. It, it was more of like how the feeling that I got when I did mm-hmm. what I did. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of what led me into it. Like, obviously, we always got our fingers in some of the things that we choose to do later on in life. We had our fingers in it small amount at one point in time. But I don't know, it just guided me, I guess. It's like when, when sports kind of picked up, music was pretty much gone. Like I, I knew like 110% I was, I was going to D1 school. I knew, couldn't tell me I wasn't going to the league. Like you couldn't. Me. <clears throat> I thought life was over. And here comes this little jingle and it just puts a different beat back in my heart. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. And I guess, I guess growing up too, I couldn't, I couldn't really listen to too much hip hop in the house. Me neither. So I had to create a story. Because mm. all I could listen to was the beat. So uh, that's just where mine kind of picked out from. So it's just like, I don't know what, what led you down your path to where you are, basically. Because that's kind of ultimately what it is. When we when we tell the story, yeah, well, so I feel like you asking two different things too. So the first thing I'll say is like, what prompted me to want to tell my story, and it was when I realized how many people couldn't. Mm. Like I was raised in a household that was predicated upon stewardship, and I don't see stewardship is like giving back to who gave to you, but it's more so leaving what you have better than when you found it. Um, and when you see people who don't have the opportunity who are actually more capable than you of doing something. Like, something I try and do a lot, I was even talking to Bo about this earlier, is I went through a process where, one, I had to like understand how much money I spend on whatever. Then I think about where I spend that money. And I'm spending more money in places I've never spent money on now than I have before. And I think about how did I even make it this far spending money in such places? Like when I look at my budget, I mean this wholeheartedly. I spend more in this gym or in the food I eat than in the clothes that I buy. I could have never said that years ago. And it's not because he's expensive or because food is expensive. Food. I understood what's important. Man, that's deep. And think about how long, like I know people right now who have a $25 gym membership and that's expensive. Hmm. Yeah. You see where I'm coming from? Yeah. A month. Mm-hmm. $25. <laughs> I don't know if I'm finna renew it next month, but I'm like running around the block for real. I don't even need it. I had the push ups at the cr- Bro. So let's look at these other memberships, right? So $25 for your body. You pay $13 for Netflix. That's a $10 difference plus tax. What? $25? A bottle or whatever. Gonna cost you at least $27.99. That's every weekend. Because you're depressed. I ain't even gonna start talking about other things we can't talk about. We know how much that costs too. (laughs) Okay? So, I promise to answer your question, but I just had to, No, like that was a major realization for me and it sits inside of a bigger lesson. And it's, I have a privilege to understand that when I invest in my body, that's a transformative process, right? I keep bragging on dude, which I'll continue to do, but like mind, body, spirit, right? And there's a relationship between mind, body, and spirit. They're not three separate entities, but they create your identity and who you are. Your mind, your body, your spirit. And when I realized I was spending more money on clothing my identity than I was developing my identity, and people thought I was that man then, I was doing no identity development. I was remaining who I was. It just looked better because of what I put on top of it. Now I'm I'm doing identity development. Nigga's still fresh, but I'm doing identity <laughs> development now. Like that. And and the reason I learned that was because I understood the privilege of knowing I was not doing identity development. 
And so when I learned how to tell my story or why I need to tell my story was I realized it was a privilege to know I had a story. It was a privilege to be exposed, whether it's because of trauma or triumph that I needed to tell my story. And I realized I was surrounded by people who didn't have that privilege. Right? It's dangerous to tell our stories, but there's also people who just don't have that opportunity. And I was like, it is wrong of me, especially as a black man, to have that privilege and not take advantage of it. Saying what my mission and vision is for life. This idea of black liberation. But then two, right, to talk about like what helps me do that. Oh yeah, bro. Like I had to think about it, but music, bro. Music has helped me out of anxiety. Music has helped me out of thoughts I never want to have again. Music gives me joy like nothing else. Music and hip hop specifically, like I'm being extremely general right now, but like hip hop. That is a story. It is a genre of storytelling. Imagine. And <laughs> hip hop helped me how to learn how to tell my story. Mm. And you're right, like as a kid, I could not listen to it growing up, listen to gospel music, which is also a form of storytelling. Definitely. Um, but hip hop did hit different. Hip hop, Jesus. Hip hop hits different. And it continues to hit different. And that's why I opened up with it. Well, what I opened up with, right? Because I ain't a rapper, but I have a story to share. And I feel like it's a responsibility to the mission and vision of what's on my life to tell that story. So, great question. Bro. So, bro, man, listen, tonight has been probably one of the most powerful episodes, bro. I mean, you dropped some gems, bro, just hearing your story, hearing where you're coming from speaking how you speak with the power and the emphasis that you speak bro says a lot man says a whole lot so we do this thing at the end where we like to leave our gems sometimes we leave books you know sometimes we leave you know um scripture something that we read that we like mm -hmm. you know so leave us with something man lead the people with something that they can digest after this mm -hmm. you know that will get them in the direction of powerpreneurship mm -hmm. get them in the direction of telling their story um yeah leave us with something man Loving yourself is a revolutionary action and you are worth the revolution. Loving yourself is a revolutionary action and you are worth the revolution. You mm -hmm. mentioned three brothers' names. Dr. King, Malcolm X, Marcus Garvey. None of them brothers loved themselves. Mm -hmm. And they led revolutions. So imagine how much more revolutionary they could have been if they loved themselves. Mm -hmm. You can be more, more revolutionary than them brothers today simply by loving yourself in the world that teaches you to hate it. Mm. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Loving yourself is a revolutionary action, and you are worth the revolution. That's my tidbit. There it Girl. is, brother. Well, Murdoch, once again, man, thank you so much for blessing us with your presence, for blessing the people. Um, tell them how to how to get in contact with you. Tell them where they can they can locate you for sure. You know, all that good stuff. MurdochLLC.org. All right, I don't know when this joint finna drop, but <laughs> MurdochLLC.org. You'll find everything you need to know. I love y'all. Thank you. Nah, no doubt, man. No doubt. But once again, self-check. I'll let y'all, man. <laughs>